confused, aren't you? Frightened. That's all right. I can help you. Who is this? I am a doctor. Now you must listen to me. You have lost your memory. There was an experiment. Something went wrong. Your memory was erased. Do you understand me? No, I don't understand. What the hell is going on here? Just listen. There are people coming for you, even as we speak. You must not let them find you. You must leave now. Hello? Good day, mate. How about some shrimp on the barbie? I mean humans. This is spoilers. <laughs> oh, good this lord. This There you go. I know, isn't that painfully awful? I love cringe comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared for how painfully awful. Like you said it was awful, but it's bad. But hello, everybody. Let's move past I it. I am your host, Stevie. <laughs> As I'll be commenting later on throughout the pod, I am in so much pain right now. But today is a very special day, and we have a special guest. Today we are recording the 1998 uh, classic, actually, that Matrix ripped off, Dark City. And we also have a special guest with us. Round of applause for everybody, Brother Ellis. Hey now. Hey now. How's everyone doing? Listen to that accent. That's beautiful. Yeah, Ellis, where are you, f- where are you recording from right now? Stevie, is that the accent you were trying no, to no, do? No, no, no. This is an Australian that. film, so I had to roll out the Australian accent. It's good effort, man. Good effort. I am Ellis, uh, recording from the UK, Newcastle. Well, near Newcastle, Darlington. I'm never going to get over that. Can, can you say something for me, Ellis? <laughs> can you say, I still love you, Keely? <laughs> I still love you, Keely. <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing. He's Jamie Tart, everyone. <laughs> Definitely Eastus. And, Brother Ellis, when we were talking, I know that you're a true fan of spoilers. We thank you for supporting us. I want to plug your uh, YouTube stream, Total Movie Recall, as well. But this feels like a four-year redemption arc in the making for podcasting <laughs> with people from the UK. So I'm pretty excited about this. It can't go Whatever as badly do you mean, as it did. Yeah, what do you mean, puppy? Listen to the Swords and Shield episode. <laughs> I think we talk about it there. What's done is done. <laughs> Number 250. Ellis, I have to ask, though, before we get into the movie, are you, like, an actual, like, Newcastle fan? No, so this is interesting. Before we were recording, I heard you talk about Chelsea. Yes. I'm not... I'm from the UK, but... I'm not a sports guy. Like, football, it goes straight over my head, man. Gotcha. It's no good coming to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, I relate to Ellis on so many levels. Like, is the English Corey. American football, Ellis, I'm the exact same way. Like, I don't understand the game. I don't give a shit about it. I just want to no. collect Power Rangers toys. That's all I want, you know? That's all I want to do, collect old Bandai toys and uh, Batman Forever toys and... Batman and Robin toys. <laughs> <laughs> Basket hoops, though, Corey is all about. So I'll give you credit for that, Corey. That's true. Just the Lakers, though. I do like some basketball. It's not bad, yeah. I like uh, White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. We should do a podcast on it. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this movie. Let's go from east to east. And my mm. question to you guys is, have you ever seen this movie before? And uh, just kind of what, like, your initial thoughts are, like, with the movie. Ooh, I like it. I'm the most weast or west, but this is Corey Kylo Ren memes. I'm in Simi Valley, California. It's interesting that you're asking about the movie as the opener, because usually it's something just tangentially related to the movie. I know. This is very direct, yeah, right? Yeah, this is, yeah, straight <laughs> so, at you. 
Uh, let's see. I have not seen it before yesterday. Thoughts? I don't want to say too much yet until we start going into it. Uh, I'll say this. This movie has a great sense of style. This movie is very unique. I'm kind of surprised that I've never seen it because I feel like this is something that I would have uh, gotten my friends to watch had I known about it at the time that it came out, uh, like I did with some other maybe similar movies. Uh, more to come on that, but yeah, I'll just say that I'm new to this movie. This is Pappy, recording from Kalamazoo, Michigan, like the Prima song, Next Must We Sis. <laughs> we should also say, this is a Brother Ellis Patreon yeah, yeah. pick. So, super excited, uh, and thank you for your patronage. Um, didn't know anything about this movie, and I know this might be antithetical to spoilers, but if you haven't seen this movie, I would recommend going in as cold as possible. Um, the only thing I knew, Stevie, is you'd been planting in my head that it was like the Matrix ripped this movie off. The 100%. Matrix ripped this movie off. 100%. You've been saying that since we got the the pick a couple months ago. Yeah. So I was expecting that. I was definitely looking for similarities to the Matrix when I watched it's it. It's all there. <laughs> There's a lot going on with it. It's, it's all there. <laughs> this is also evidence, too, that like I, I've been really proud of our patrons. I, I think every pick that we've gotten, whether or not I've liked the movie, a la uh, Southland Tales, oh. or the opposite end, this, they're very well suited for conversation. So yeah. I, I'm pretty excited to get into the, the mechanics of the Dark City. Yeah, I feel like Southland Tales is like one of the few pods we ever apologize to the person afterwards that's how much we hated it yeah what a pile of shit you wanted to give them a refund yeah i talked you out of it yeah I was like, no no <laughs> i'm still blown away that people praise that movie online like i want to argue with them every time i see it i'll send you the thread next time i see it it's extensive <laughs> am i the most next yeah i'd have yeah. to be okay so yeah. your host stevie i watched this movie two years ago um I think I saw like a YouTube, like I think it was like from What Culture. They may have like mentioned this movie in passing about like great movies you've never seen. And I was like, huh, that looks like kind of cool. And as I'm watching it unfold, I'm like, wow, this is like really like close to The Matrix. And I was like, wow, this came out before The Matrix. And then I'm looking at it, reading trivia on it. And I was like, whoa, you know, they even shared the same sets. And pretty much the exact same story and a lot of similar beats. Yeah. And uh, it's extremely similar, Pap. And I don't believe in coincidences when it comes to stuff like that. But um, I was happy to watch it for a second time, even though I threw up with about 30 minutes left. Um, but um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this movie. I actually really like this movie. How are you feeling now? What's the current status of your tummy? Between like 1 and 10, I'm at like a 4.8 or a 5 manageable yeah manageable Warrior. yeah i'm getting through jordan it. flu game of a podcast right dude now. i'm gonna throw down 37 with the flu you know it <laughs> when the rainbow rhythm start to play dance with me make me sway like a lazy ocean hugs the shore hold me close sway me more stevie i want to ask you something like this is not an uncommon thing, I think, with movies in America, at least. Maybe everywhere. I don't know. I just know the movies that we get, obviously. But in terms of 
American releases, major ones. There seems to be like two that are very similar that the come rule out. of two that always come out within six months of each other. Always. Okay, that's it. This was I think yeah. a little bit longer. This was over a year, right? Yep. So, is it is it fair to say that the Matrix ripped this off, or like were they making the movies at the same time and one happened to come out earlier? You know what I mean? Here's what, man. Here's what I, th- I don't know because obviously I wasn't there, but in my opinion, probably what happened was Dark City is a script that probably got floated around for a very long time, and as I was getting floated around or made, um, you know, the Matrix, the Wachowskis, who knows, sisters probably were like, hey, we got this script too, and someone was like, that's eerily close to Dark City, that's like coming out shortly. And the Wachowskis went to their computer programs and did a proof of concept and said, but look what we can do with it. And that's what kind of probably got a greenlit. Because this movie, it's not, like, it's not like Dark City was a huge, like, box office smash success. I think the script for this film was uh, kicking about for about nine years beforehand. And it got, like, passed about between different writers, I think, until it ended up with Alex Proyas. So I think... Warner Brothers somewhere down the line definitely have laid their eyes on this script yeah because I think it's a new line production as well this movie which I think is like a owned by Warner Brothers I might be wrong but I think it's a partner company I think there's no way that the the coincidences like are, are too much I think they <laughs> definitely really seen. <laughs> yeah totally this is according to Slash Film when Dark City came out the Wachowskis did not panic while working on the matrix they did say they saw it and hired many of the same technicians to create the look of the matrix um but they say they were working on the matrix during the time and it's pretty inevitable and this is according to slash film would be inevitable that they would share the same talent being such similar stories but it's it's sort of the illusionist prestige thing right yeah the uh, white house down olympus has fallen thing yeah oh yeah bugs life ants it were both filmed in Australia as well, which I don't like. They've they've used the same set as like they borrowed a lot of sets from Dark City to use on the Matrix. And I'm sorry, but like, same thing too. You can't start off this movie with like a phone call with like rushing zoom in sequences, like the same <laughs> exact same way the Matrix does. Like, you can't tell me that the Wachowskis didn't read this. You just can't. But there's like. So there's that one shot of the phone hanging from the phone line. Yeah. Right? You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. It looks exactly like it's from the Matrix. Like that almost feels like that's more of like an overt allusion to this, right? Like maybe they knew that it was similar. Like are they trying to be sneaky about ripping it off? I don't really think, think so. It was I think like it's more homage of like, to a movie that no one saw. Probably. <laughs> Wachowski saw it according to Slash Film. Oh. Also, I don't think Brother Ellis finished introducing himself. Oh, sorry I, about that. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> this is uh, Brother Ellis recording from Darlington, UK. Um, I first saw this film about a year ago, a bit longer. It was, <clears throat> ironically, it was when I was doing my uh, research into the new Matrix film, and I was uh, just on the Reddit threads, like looking, just looking to spoil the film for myself, as you do. But um, I was looking through the comments, and this film got mentioned so many times with it, with like the similarities to it. Um, and I've seen it on a lot of YouTube videos of 10 films you've never seen before. 
But like Corey, if I'd have seen this back in the day when I was younger, this is exactly the sort of film that I would have loved and probably would still love today. I'm like a sucker for like the set design of it and, and the look of the film. Like I'll be the polar opposite to like Brett on this one. I love the fact that it's dark throughout the full full movie. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. It's got some really interesting ideas that it chucks out there. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting ideas and not necessarily the most amazing film. Whereas something like The Matrix, you're sort of like coasted through by the action and the uh, special effects, could you say? Which, but I'd make an argument that the the special effects in Dark City are, are, are parallel, not parallel as in not the CGI elements, like that's another kettle of fish, but uh, the practical like uh, sets and I think it's amazing in Dark City. I think it's its its highest compliment I can give it. It's it's the thing that it's batting on all cylinders with. I do want to take back what I said pre-pod, where I said that the special effects were good in this movie, because now that we've been talking about The Matrix, it's pretty amazing, though. They're like the, the mind waves that come out of... Uh, what's what's the, the, the main strangers. character? John Murdoch? John Murdoch. No, John, yeah, Murdoch. John Murdoch. And the strangers, like... That those mind waves came out in a movie that came out a year before, like the bullet time. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are not even in the same league of like technology. <laughs> so it's yeah, but it does, the production design, Alice, like you said, is phenomenal. I'm a big fan of matte paintings. There's a lot of matte paintings in this. Okay, so let's kind of dive into this movie. Pap, I have a question for you. I mean, mm-hmm. <sighs> so the cut that you watched. Oh did, yeah. Did it have the Kiefer Sutherland uh, monologue in the beginning or no? Yeah, another movie I was going to compare this to is Blade Runner, but this yeah. is obviously much less boring than Blade Runner. Um, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- but it also has the same multiple cuts. And Ellis DM'd me yesterday and said, "Which cut am I watching?" And I didn't even know that there was multiple cuts of this movie. I think I watched the director's cut, which did not have that yeah. monologue. God damn it. I thought we were all watching the theatrical cut. Right, Corey, this is Mallrats Co- again. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, I watched the uh, theatrical cut. Um, I feel, I feel, I instantly regretted saying watch the theatrical cut because in hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight now, like, do you feel like the introduction and the exposition right at the start that Kiefer Sutherland gives, do you feel like that pretty much ruined the whole movie? <laughs> it ruins the whole movie. Well, it's worthless, I think, to me. Because in a movie where everything that you see is so alien and it's such an involved mystery and it's unfolding as the story goes along, I think having the opening narration doesn't work because I don't fucking remember it. Yeah. He says all these things that are like very complex and very specific uh, to this world that they've created. And it is revealed later, but I didn't remember it. I don't remember a goddamn thing he said. <laughs> as soon as I heard him giving the opening narration, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again after I've seen the movie. And I did. First, there was darkness. Then came the strangers. They were a race as old as time itself. They had mastered the ultimate technology, the ability to alter physical reality by will alone. They called this ability tuning, but they were dying. 
their civilization was in decline. And so they abandoned their world, seeking a cure for their own mortality. Their endless journey brought them to a small blue world in the farthest corner of the galaxy. Our world. Here they thought they had finally found what they had been searching for. That sounds fucking insane because the in the director's cut, that, that's why I said go in as blind as you can because the way that the information unfolds is like what makes this movie for me. Because I, I had no idea what was happening or like, is this guy really a killer? The whole who are the strangers it, like carries so much like tension and interest throughout the first like hour or so of this movie. The, so it's just like he just comes out and explains the exact mechanics of the strangers and everything is that what sort of the one thing i remembered is that they're an alien presence so i knew to Mm. expect an alien presence but honestly that was like one of the few things i took away from the intro it's it's a lot it's too heavy for opening text it truly is yeah i think alex Proyas was like 100 percent against that opening exposition he really didn't want that in the film and I can see why. The, the, that exposition basically gets repeated about 70 minutes in, in the film when um, Kiefer Sutherland, mm-hmm. William Hurt, and uh, Rufus Swell are all in the canal boat. Uh, Kiefer Su- Sutherland's character, Dr. Schreiber, pretty much gives him the whole lowdown. Which is the perfect time for that to come up, right? Because you're already invested in it. You've kind of figured out a couple things. And then we're going to get some answers before the climax at uh the quote-unquote beach so yeah that that sounds like a terrible studio decision the so the cut i watched was an hour 51 is the theatrical cut longer i think there's only about 10 minutes in it like difference wise i know one of the extra scenes in the uh director's cut is there's a scene of um john murdoch and he looks at his palm and he's got this spiral on his palm um does anyone very does anyone very Logan's run? Yeah, does anyone know what the spiral represented? Mm-mm. Got me. Uh, was the director a huge Donnie Darko fan? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to read the graphic novel to, to find out what it meant? This does feel like it's based off a graphic novel. To be fair, it's got that. It has got that sort of feel about it. Yeah, if you said it was, I would not be surprised. That's for sure. But it's not right. It's a no, no, fully original story. Yeah, but to go back to the spiral thing. Aren't his fingerprints a spiral? Isn't that what that is too? Oh yeah, I think you are right. Yeah. So I I don't know. I don't know if it like represented anything necessarily. Maybe like the infinite loop of their memories. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're that far off that. To be honest, Poppy. time is a flat circle. <laughs> Did you like John Murdoch's TV? Rufus Sewell. Feel like I'm living out someone else's nightmare. What happened to me? Why was I seeing a doctor? I had an affair. You were angry at me. (gasps) The police are looking for you. I know. Saw the papers. Killers stalk city streetwalkers. I was with one of those women before I came here tonight. I don't understand. I I met her outside an automat. I guess I wanted to test myself. I wanted to know if I had it in me to do those things. 
maybe I have lost my mind, but whoever I am, I'm still me and I'm not a killer. Some of the performances are a little weird in this movie. It's hard to explain. Like, I don't know if I like Kiefer Sutherland. I don't like Kiefer Sutherland. Too much. I have never liked Kiefer yeah. Sutherland. Um, I do like Rip of Soul, though. I w- honestly wish he was in more movies. Um, I also think he, this movie kind of hurt him for being a leading man, like in America for a long time. But, um, I also think like to go back to like the opening, like monologue from Kiefer Sutherland or not, whether it's theatrical or directorial, um, cuts, I think walking out of a theater was way more of a flex in the eighties and nineties than it is today. I think the sunk cost fallacy is so much higher today like for viewing audiences in a theater than it was back in the day especially in the late 90s what do you mean by that i think because of twists and it's got to get better from here audiences are so much more likely to stay around for a movie than they all than they were back in the 80s and 90s i truly believe that i um i think walkouts were so much more prevalent um in those two decades than they like than they were like pretty much anything following the sixth sense that's my take on it is pretty much everybody's just waiting for it to get better or, you know, just wait for the great reveal and it all makes sense. And sometimes that never comes. And so I think the studio probably said to themselves, if we don't explain this off the bat, people are going to get confused or bored and just walk out. But it's that uh, we talk about this all the time, like trusting your audience in both the cases of Blade Runner and Dark City exposition voiceover, you know, filling in those gaps takes away from the movie both times you know what i mean like 100 percent. all i want to do is see dark city when i'm watching this movie you know what i mean because the the set design the cinematography are so cool like i don't need i don't really need it explained because i'm already into it you know i'm already curious about this world that you've you've built see that reminds me of blade runner that's how i feel when i'm watching that movie that i don't really need a lot of story it's i'm mostly there to live in the uh the environment and in the world so so ellis real quick side note before i comment on the movie go on who won the debate pappy or steve <laughs> oh my god i've got about 45 different recordings i did to send you in i just didn't send any in <laughs> oh, I, i'd have to listen to it again although i did listen to it like four times that argument to uh, get a good uh, evaluation but um <sighs> i don't know i don't know i'd have to listen to it again i don't want to i don't want to be put on the spot you can say steve it's okay steve is a beast though he's got that that guy's got some knowledge man he's a he's a preflon of of knowledge in his head but pappy you made a good argument though i can't remember it but it was good i think it was good (laughs) i do have the belt so i think that speaks for itself i demolished steve in that debate it's it's okay you don't have to worry about hurting steve's feelings (laughs) i kind of want to ride on what ellis was saying though about this movie dark city it it feels a lot of ways Ellis like Batman 89 it in does. terms of its style, it right? It does, and I think that's a lot why of fog. It, yeah, a lot of steam, <laughs> a lot of fog, a lot, of, a lot of wet roads. I don't know. It's, <clears throat> it. I'm, I'm a nightmare. For sometimes I can go style over substance, and like I'll totally admit that. And I, even though I feel a little bit like that with this movie, I think there is some amazing ideas in this movie. It just. I don't know. It's it's a very like noir feeling type film. Um, as far as like, I was just going to bring up another point um, in regards to like everyone's acting in like the first hour of the film. It's very like 
spaced out would you not agree like everyone's like when i first watched it um like jennifer connelly and rufus swell like i was a bit there's not much emotion in the first hour because these people Mm -hmm. uh, have been programmed like i don't want to get too far into the movie and just spoil it straight away but well well i will it's spoilers. This is yeah. spoilers. Yeah, 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 you can. <laughs> but um, the fact that they're like they're almost programmed to like live these these lives, they're basically getting experimented on. So when like they first wake up and everyone's a bit blase, like I first initially thought William Hurt wasn't a very good detective, but as the story progresses along, William Hurt two weeks ago within that world might not have been a detective. He might have been mm-hmm. a musician. And I think there's like, it sort of, it gives you the nod that this guy was someone else because he's got the accordion the whole way through the film that keeps popping in and out of scenes. I think William Hurt is perfectly cast in this movie because Mm -hmm. all the humans in this movie, all the natural human beings have had their memory wiped and wiped and replanted and reprogrammed. So they're like generally kind of like confused and dull right like it's almost like they're they're doled down as people they're not fully there and william hurt i've always like called him like the most boring big name actor <laughs> and he kind of he kind of is he has some good You're performance i don't want to knock the man too heavily you know rest in peace but that kind of performance i think works well for what's going on in the movie i think it's perfectly uh planet in that way the beginning feels a little felt a little jumpy to me too like it's the lot like the scenes are very quick in in the dialogue there's a lot of like cuts when the dialogue is happening like in between the characters and stuff um and that might have just been too because i was getting a lot of information at once and trying to figure it out but i thought they said that he left his wallet at the laundromat and then I was super confused as to why they had all this food in the laundromat when they got there. I was like, oh, automat. Which, th- that's a pretty cool... Like, there's even, like, the production design of, like, that, right? Because it's, like, if... It doesn't feel like a movie set in the 50s necessarily, but that feels like more of, like, an old-school, like, dining establishment thing. Look like Gore Verbinski would have approved of it. It's just such a cool place to have. Yeah, very Gore Verbinski. I mean, it's also, like... Tim Burton-esque and and to go back to like Batman 1989 when I was watching this movie for a long time I was trying to figure out what era it's set in it's in this like vague like time era I was like is this the 80s it's definitely not the 90s but it could be any decade before the 80s as well could be the 70s or the 60s or the 50s like the the technology and the layout of things is like kept pretty vague and you know it's called Dark City. It's a very dark movie, so we don't fully get to see everything in this movie. A lot of times, what we see on screen is just, like, uh, the characters illuminated in a dark alley. In the version that I saw, that's explained later by Kiefer Sutherland. This might be in the theatrical cut, too, but he said that they were pulling from all different time periods and stuff, they being the strangers, the aliens who abducted these people okay and it's cool oh, go ahead sorry yeah. no no go ahead Pat. finish your thought then I'll, I'll change it off to mine well and as cool as the 
ideas and themes are of like the memory being wiped and you know what is a human experience like the the motivation of the aliens is pretty lame like they want a they want a human soul <laughs> is that even what's happening there? I think it's stated that they're dying though isn't it that's what that's what it is it's it's about getting the soul to prolong their life they're dying as a race I don't know whether that comes across very well, though. Oh, okay, that makes way more sense. That's way different than what I thought. How is men in blacking people and wiping their memories going to get you a soul? Yeah, why not just study them? Well, that's the. I think that's like he, <sighs> they're looking in the wrong place, aren't they? That like they're looking in the mind. Yeah, and that's not. <gasps> and they should be using an anal probe, like in all the other movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes way more sense than what I thought was happening. Okay. See, in my opinion, which is probably the wrong one, I thought because it could only move as a hive, there was, like, no one that was able to, like, steer them in another direction. Only, like, one way they were going, and the soul would have done that. Okay, that makes way more sense. But I think you're, like, it's like the soul, it gives them individuality. Right. right? Isn't that kind of, they are a hive mind now. But when the one guy gets the soul, he's like, oh, this is way better, having my own memories. So, like, what if they found religion, you know, and they, that was the way that they determined that the soul exists is through Jesus or something. That would have been a totally different movie. Shrimp Jesus? Shrimp Jesus, yeah, man. <laughs> the Christ-like character of the movie, Shrimp Jesus. Corey, I have a question for you. Um, this movie, I mean, depending on kind of where, you know, credits start, credits end, say probably between, like, <clears throat> 105, 110 minutes... And this movie also has like a hundred reveals every minute. Did this movie feel like well paced to you or did it just feel extremely long? Mm. It didn't feel long to me. I'll say that. It's not a long movie. Didn't feel long. There are good reveals throughout the runtime of this movie that are handled in a good way. With one exception, I think. There's a moment that Ellis talked about where they're like on the little rowboat and it's uh, our three main guys, it's, you know, Kiefer Sutherland, who's constantly out of breath in this movie. <laughs> John Murdoch, the main guy, and then William Hurt, the inspector guy. And uh, the doctor, Kiefer Sutherland, kind of reveals, like, a lot of exposition in one moment. Like, there's a, a single scene where a ton of exposition is given out. And generally, I just am not a fan of that. Like, all right, here's the time to verbally explain a lot of stuff. The dumps, yeah. So what I think that could have been, like, uh, spread throughout the movie a little bit better. I think it would have been nice if he had met John more throughout the movie, because they do meet a couple times. But I think each time they met, if a little piece was revealed, and then another piece, and another piece, it would have been better that way. What is this? A rather crude experiment. Designed to further my studies. I don't understand. You say you're my husband's doctor, but he never mentioned you to me. The truth is, Mrs. Murdoch, John has been coming to see me for quite some time. He has been grappling with feelings of betrayal stemming from my marital difficulties. Why is Kiefer Sutherland out of breath every time he's talking in this movie? His performance is bad. <laughs> yeah, it is bad. It's a weird choice, I think. I think they originally wanted to go for like an older actor. They did have someone in mind, but it, it, I can't remember who it was now. But um, 
Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland is not great in this at all. I think he would be fine if it wasn't that particular choice being made, right? Like, if he just delivered his lines like he did in Young Guns, like, as a normal Kiefer Sutherland, as opposed to the I just ran a mile Kiefer Sutherland, would have been better. What about, instead of Kiefer Sutherland, we cast Christopher Lloyd as... (laughs) That could have been fun. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Bit on the nose, but... Doc. Very different vibe. Sorry, Stevie, what were you saying? I was going to say, I mean, is Kiefer Sutherland a good actor? <laughs> hmm. His dad is. His dad is, but is Kiefer Sutherland a good actor? So I, I think he's okay. Like I like him in The Lost Boys, but I think I like the film more than I like his acting. Is Jennifer Conley a good actress? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? No. <laughs> I'll put it this way. And I mean this in like a very like nice way. I think if you're gonna have a really cool concept with not great actors, a noir is the best thing you can do because you don't have to show a lot of emotion throughout noir. You just don't. You know who is a great actor? Bruce Spence, who <laughs> plays the tall guy. He's like sneaky four or five movie club now. I think with Dark City, the Mouth of Sauron, Mouth of Sauron. Gyrocrack captor guy. Handsy guy from Mad Max 2. Yeah. I did not know he was a Malfus Auron. Wow. He's some guy in Star Wars. Ellis, I have a question for you. Um, what do you make of our antagonists in this movie, the Strangers? The Cenobites. Yeah. 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 They dress like that. Yeah, man. They dress like they're headed to a BDSM nightclub. (laughs) (laughs) They look like they're going to some sketchy... They look like they're going to the uh, Merovingians nightclub in uh, the third Matrix film. That's where they're going. Uh, What do I think about these guys? I think they're pretty cool as uh, antagonists. Um, I think that's one of the main draws of the film on an outside level. Like if looking at a trailer or whatever, you'd see these guys and you'd go... Who the hell are these guys? I want to know more about them. Um, I think Richard O'Brien's pretty class. I think he's pretty good in everything I've seen him in. I haven't seen him in that much. I've, I know him from a Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's awesome in that. But um, he was actually, he hosted uh, Crystal Maze over here in the UK for a lot of years as well, back in the day. He hosted what? The Crystal Maze. It was like a TV show where it was like... Um, You'd go on, like, perform challenges and mazes and stuff and get cash. It was, it's like pretty old. I think it was from, like, late 90s. Would they get shocked? They get shocked. Shocked? No, no, no. <laughs> well, well, maybe. It was the 90s. I don't know. This isn't a Japanese game show, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... I I don't know how I feel about them, about the main, the main, the head guy. I think he was a bit bland of a character. You know who he reminded me of? He looked mm-hmm. a bit like uh, Darth Vader in the OG Star Wars without the helmet. That's what yeah. he reminded yes. me. <laughs> Do you think that the uh, shrimp reveal was too soon? Way too soon. I feel like the shrimp reveal happened like so quickly. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That should just be at the yeah, end, definitely. Yeah. The very end. And it, it's not, I, I think they could have been a bit more creative with the uh, alien design. The uh, space shrimp doesn't do it for me at all. It's funny how, like, a good alien design can really, like, make or break, add a lot or take away a lot. Yeah. Cronenberg, that shit. Yeah. Well, just even, like, compare, like, the animation on that to the animation in The Matrix when they suck that 
thing out of uh, Neo's belly button, you know, at the beginning of the first Matrix. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. That's night, that's night and day difference. This looks cartoonish compared to that. I was going to say, though, Stevie, on the look of the, the aliens, what I do like is the variety of sizes of people who are the aliens, right? They have, like, little kids who are there, but they also have that... Uh, the big tall one, yeah, um, played by uh, Bruce Spence. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, it's just a cool look. Like when they're kind of coming up in a gang, and it's just like this motley crew. Of- <laughs> yeah, I like how they take that uh, small, the uh, the small stranger out with them on patrol. I like that he's there as the uh, the big guns. <laughs> one thing that was somewhat disappointing to me. I don't know about you guys, but for a thing with an infinite amount of an explanation throughout the movie and subplots. I was really hoping that like the strangers like wouldn't be have been able to like been in their host body like forever. Like eventually they would have started like decompose or like their inner shell would have started to break through their outer shell, which would have caused them to like go and do different memory things throughout time. And I just thought like them being able to stay in the same bodies the entire time was just kind of boring. They also look stupid when they fly. Yes. <laughs> they fly now. <laughs> I thought it's funny you said they look like Darth Vader without the helmet. I my note was, and this is one of my few notes, is that they they all kind of look like the singer of Disturbed, and they (laughs) (laughs) for those like new metal fans of the two (laughs) thousands understand that reference. (laughs) And they make a lot of insect noises. (laughs) And then the kid one, the kid uh, stranger that comes along with them, of course, like he's like the craziest one, right? Like that that was a little like predictable and lame to me i was like oh yeah the kid's gonna do something crazy and of course like at one point when the hero's like hanging off a ledge and the the kid comes up to him instead of like stabbing his hand he leans down and he bites his hand because he's like the crazy one <laughs> we gotta bite him <laughs> i appreciated that i loved it so i'm trying to photoshop uh david drainman from disturbed with a little fedora <laughs> on his head <laughs> i'll do that after the podcast yeah Stevie, do you ever watch Star Trek? I mean, you know me. I've brought it up literally zero times on spoilers, so. <laughs> this is going to be the real test if Ellis is the UK Kylo. Ellis, do you watch Star Trek? No, I don't. Oh, oh my God. Mm, doppelganger deconfirmed. Well, he's from, <laughs> he's from Europe. He probably watched Doctor Who or some shit, right? I watched a bit of Doctor Who just when the, uh, David Tennant was on. Oh, no, who was uh, prior to David Tennant? Um, Chris something Eccleson or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even watch that show, and I know that. <laughs> but this this movie does kind of feel like a fucked up, twisted version of a Star Trek episode, where like you're kind of like thrown in the mix at the beginning, and it's like a mystery. There's a few Star Trek episodes like this, like Quantum Leap. Yeah, where one of the characters from the episode or from the crew of Star Trek is like somewhere else the whole episode. And they don't know why they're there, and it turns out they're being experimented on by aliens. Or sometimes it takes place on the ship, but there's a lot of, like, premises in Star Trek where an outside alien force that are, you know, kind of, like, evil or at least uncaring about humans in some way are doing these messed up experiments, and then the course of the show is about our characters discovering that, and that's kind of what we get here. One episode that comes to mind is Allegiance and uh, Next Generation. Stevie, I have a question for you. Throw it at me. Why does John Murdoch? What is the power called? Uh, the one tuning. 
But no, tuning. Tuning? Yeah. yeah, he's tuning, yeah. Why does he get the ability to tune? Because as far as I know, the only thing that's been happening is they're injecting human memories from one human to another. And I think there's like a half-ass like exposition again by Keeper Sutherland <laughs> at some point when he's hanging upside down. He's like, I don't know. They're adapting. They're evolving. Life finds a way. Don't worry about it. He can just do that now. Like, what about, That doesn't make any Cap. sense within the context of the movie. That's literally in the script for the very question you just asked. Why? And the explanation they give is for plot purposes, and that's that. Like in The Matrix, it makes sense that Neo is getting kind of like the same abilities as the agents because the Matrix isn't real. And so it's all kind of like the same skill tree they're progressing on. There's no reason that John Murdoch should just start having these powers because he was abducted. Yeah, there's no reason he should be able to like... Well, the other thing is too, if you're going to say something like that, it's like the next step in evolution... Okay, how long have we been there? <laughs> yeah. Like, how long Good have we question. been floating on that rock? Like, that's the only way you can even <laughs> say that. Is it's like, you know, we've been here for 2,000 years. Maybe there's finally starting to, like, you know, maybe it's finally starting to happen. But, like, this just feels like they've been there for, like, five years, maybe. And, like, it just... Right. I mean, it doesn't... You can't, It's really half-assed. And it also... I mean, I hate to say this, I love like Rufus Sewell, but the character of John Murdoch, or John Murdoch, I want to say Murdoch so badly. Yeah. Uh, John Murdoch. <laughs> John Matlock. Yeah. Murdoch. <laughs> um, it just makes him a shitty main character. Like, b- because really, he's not really doing much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't really earn the telekinesis. Okay, cool. He's not like really earning to tune. It's not like he like had a blippet of it happen, and he's trying to master it on his own. It's like no, he was pretty good at it from the jump. It makes him really uninteresting. The thing is, is like if he is awake during that time when everybody's asleep, right? If if that's as far as it went, that would just kind of be plausible enough, you know what I mean? Like oh, this guy doesn't isn't affected by the sleep mm-hmm. stuff for whatever reason, and that could have been like that should have been our beginning, Pap. That would have been an that amazing should have been beginning. our beginning is him being awake and everyone else is asleep. You could do something where Kiefer Sutherland has been like feeding him genes of the aliens or something, right? You could know what I mean? Like he's that. trying to have yeah. some resistance, something at least like give it some logic, some rhyme or reason for why it's happening, but. I mean, yeah, he can fly. He has telekinesis. It's weird. <laughs> at least we get like a half-assed explanation in the Matrix, so you know what I mean? Like, at least they tell us Neo's a hacker in the beginning. Okay, cool. Like He's the one. Yeah, he's the one. A little bit of prophecy. Okay, whatever. You know, but just the fact that John Murdoch's like, oh, hey, I can do it. It really hinders the film, in my opinion. I'd have bought it more if, if when John Murdoch, like, when he... So... <sighs> Basically, he woke up when Kiefer Sutherland was trying to implant memories on him. Right. And he said, he mentions later on, um, that he was the one that woke up. I would have bought it if when later on in the movie, when we meet, uh, Walensky, if he also had tuning abilities as well, because he woke mm-hmm. up. So I would have bought it like the connection there that if you wake up, in this time when the strangers go out when everyone's asleep, altering people's class, altering buildings, if you wake up in that time period, you somehow develop 
tuning skills. That's a way better. What you just said is such a good explanation. That works out. That works so much better. Right. But then, yeah, you do have to have that other guy have tuning abilities, powers yeah. too. Yeah, it reminds me of like the voice in Skyrim. <laughs> you just kind of like Fus Roda blasting <laughs> things with his brain. It's really, I don't know. And it looks kind of lame too. The little sound waves. Yeah, it looks terrible. Like the, the the power telekinesis doesn't look great. They like the, <laughs> it doesn't look great at all. Um, like that the end the end showdown is just it's pretty laughable to be fair. But hey, Harry Potter direct borrowed it directly from it. It must have been funny while they were filming it on set, right? Because <laughs> dude, the, I thought that too. the two guys have to face each <laughs> yeah. other with their foreheads. <laughs> yeah, now lean forward, lean forward. Scream. Intense, intense, intense. Okay, <laughs> dude, this movie wouldn't even change that much if you took away the tuning. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah, I understand that the aliens need a mechanism of creating the dark city. That's fine. They can just have this power, but. If it was like more grounded in like, you know, gunplay, knives, that kind of stuff. It, Why I are there guns? Why movie. are there guns? Don't know. We're, we're on their rock, man. Why are there guns? So the guns work on the strangers, right? Like some of them die. Yeah. I think, from, from bullets. <laughs> I like when they die. It's usually pretty violent. The one gets like popped by the buildings coming together and blood splashes everywhere the other one gets sliced through the head by the dude the billboard the first confrontation that john has with the strangers like early on in the movie like 20 minutes in however long it is he crawls up to like this display of uh the beach pebble beach and like one of the strangers follows him and just like falls through the floorboard and dies (laughs) it's fucking hilarious it's like he's mr magoo but like not lucky you know he's (laughs) he's just clumsy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the one thing I wish that was in this movie more is what was the first guy's name? Was it Mr. Um, Shade? Was that was his name? Mr. Hand. Was it Mr. Hand? Was he the first one that died? Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. I think Mr. Hand's Richard O'Brien. I think he's like the yeah. main stranger. What was the first stranger's name? I think it was Mr. Um... Wall? Was it? I'm, I don't remember. I just like it when they say poor Mr. before before they announce that someone's died. It makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> What is to be done? This man is dangerous. It is said he is able to tune. Impossible. We have seen it with our own eyes. On occasion, the imprinting does not take. They behave erratically when they awaken. We find them wandering like lost children. But this one was different, yes? What has the doctor to say about this? He has failed to report in. And Mr. Quick? No more, Mr. Quick. Mr. Quick, dead. Yes. Poor, poor Mr. Quick. Why are their names sounding like they should be in like a children's television show? You know what poor I mean? Poor Mr. Like, Apple. <laughs> Mr. Apple. <laughs> Mr. Red. Like, <laughs> Mr. Numbers. Like what? I don't, it's, yeah, I don't understand that. I think it's probably because their names are like click sounds. And because, mm-hmm. like, maybe they're trying to adapt to, like, a human soul. They're trying to, like, hey, they have last names like these. And they these are words. Let's just give each other word names. Yeah. I mean, I'm being pretty tough on the movie. Well, there we are, like, we a have lot of, to be. It's always fun. But there are, there are a lot of cool details in that same vein, though, too, right? Like, how all of the streets are just, like, numbers and mm-hmm. letters. Because, of course, they would be. They don't, they don't need to be anything. 
anything else. I like that. That, that. That's some good attention to detail. I saw something on IMDb that I did not pick up on in the movie, and that is the presence of Faramir. Yep. Did oh, you guys yeah. see Faramir in this movie? Yep. I need to watch it again, man. <laughs> He's like 29th in the IMDb cast. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> Who was he? Is he? He was a background guy. <laughs> some extra? <laughs> He's credited as... Uh, Schreber's assistant, so that's Kiefer Sutherland, I believe. His assistant. Uh-huh. Boromir would have been the main guy, not the assistant. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mr. Hand. <laughs> he would have yeah. had more screen time. <laughs> Stevie, the end. Did you think of uh, the Truman Show when they walk on to Pebble Beach in that color? Uh, like, we just did a podcast on the Truman Show. When they go to Shell Beach, and they, yeah. This movie's quite influential, I gotta say. I think this movie's really influential. I think there's been a lot of things that have come after that have borrowed from this film. Um, and a lot of things before it, I suppose, as well, that have influenced it. But I had written down on, on my 45 pieces of paper and my notes that it does um, remind me a bit of The Truman Show, definitely. The beach and how all of the characters... It's just not as it seems, yeah. right? You know what I mean? For the main... The main character. Also, I don't know if you guys noticed or not or thought about it, but this movie had the most 90s move a movie can possibly have, which is, <laughs> in my opinion, an executive somewhere wanted a theme park ride to be made after this movie. And when they're like going down to the lair, going down to the lair of where <laughs> yeah, yeah. all the strangers are, I was like, that's a fucking roller coaster. Like, they're literally riding a roller coaster down to the lair right now. An executive somewhere said, let's make a ride, boys. Make it a ride. <laughs> it reminded me of the transportation in the, uh, like, the OG Mortal Kombat movie. You know, when they get yes! in the, the ball and it, like, shifts them around. Like, yeah. Excuse me, that's Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, the good one. <laughs> yeah. The good one. <laughs> the best one. Yeah, but it just, I was like, oh, that's a very 90s theme park way of uh, getting from point A to point B is let's make it a roller coaster. Stevie, can I ask a question to the group? Oh, for sure. Would you bathe in a bathhouse like Kiefer Sutherland does in this movie? Is that something you would ever do? I'm going to say no. That seems dirty and gross. Like in life or like in his position? In your life. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's disgusting, dude. That's absolutely just gross. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give that a miss. (laughs) It seems like there's going to be a lot of pee in that bath. (laughs) Ellis, what about Turkish bath? Turkish bath. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> it's from Batman and Robin. It's. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'll go for a Turkish bath. Hmm. Turkish baths. This looks promising. It's funny you're talking about like the theme park ride aspect of this movie, and that's like their sophisticated elevator mechanism that theme. they have. <laughs> but like to me, I was just thinking about this. If you ever go to like a theme park for Halloween time, you know how they erect those mazes that you walk through? Mm-hmm. And they're usually themed after a movie. And there's like, you know, scary creatures that pop out. And it's it's very, you know, creepy to walk through and stuff. It's meant to scare you, of course. 
Dark City would be a good one to have at like Universal Studios. I would love that. There's a lot here. Like, you know, they could really bring this aesthetic to life. And that's because Dark City has, like you said early, like great like art direction. Right? This place is cool. Like it looks cool. It's filmed in a cool way. There's cool aspects with like the moving buildings and how they like rearrange the city and stuff. Like the, the visuals in this movie are some of the, the strongest aspect of it. The concept is cool too. You know, we've been doing a lot of movies with good concepts lately, but it's true. Uh, the visuals, I think, stand out stronger because there's maybe like holes in the concept. Stevie, question: Why is this movie not more popular? Because it feel it feels like it should be popular. It's a good movie. Titanic. Oh, I watched Roger Ebert's review right before this, and he loved this movie. He said it was his favorite of '98. Yeah. Yep. To that point. Yeah. Yep. Titanic. <laughs> when did Titanic come out? 97. It was in 97? Yeah. Uh, but it okay. was in theaters for a, a long Cause time. Because I, yeah. <laughs> I think this was released when Titanic was still number one. And after this was released, Titanic, like that same weekend, was like still number one at the box office. Like, dude. Titanic went on a run. If you never have, I recommend all listeners going to boxofficemojo.com, go to Titanic, and then just click through like week after week after week and it's like you click like 26 times and it's still number one in the box office it's absolutely insane yeah titanic was in theaters forever that's too bad though this movie deserved more love do you think maybe he's in 98 people like i know we've just been chatting about how good the effects are but do you think it might have been dated for like mass audiences because if we've got the matrix coming out a year later it's like you said earlier on Pappy, like the effects are like astronomically like different mm-hmm. do you think that maybe had an effect on on audiences <sighs> i don't know and i don't know how it was marketed either or if it was well marketed at all i mean this is like the benchmark is always jurassic park right and yet, like that's like the best so, and that, that was like five years Prior. before this too so the technology existed for sure so i don't i don't know i would guess it just wasn't marketed that's well. like so by today's standards of marketing i mean we have instagram facebook you know twitter for do a lot of marketing you know word of mouth like marketing in the 90s was heavily you know ass and seats in the theaters watching tv and billboards and i just think like like you guys said this movie probably wasn't heavily marketed because it's incredibly expensive to market a movie so i imagine they probably dialed back on that a lot I'll just say anecdotally, I don't think it was because I hadn't heard of this movie at the time of its release. And I feel like as a kid at that time, uh, this might have been a movie for me, even though it's rated R. Movies kind of were for kids back then if they're rated R. But also, this is the kind of thing I would have liked. I think this movie was probably only known by super fans of The Crow, right? People Mm -hmm, that loved The Crow at the time, and there was a big fan base of that. We're like, okay, the guy that did The Crow is doing this other dark movie. Yeah, I think that's definitely spot on. Um, I think why wouldn't you go and see this film as well if you did watch The Crow back in in the 90s? Crow's a phenomenal film. I'd want to personally see what that director was directing next. And when you look at The Crow, like there's similarities with The Crow as well in the production design. Very dark, very steamy, wet streets. I think that's all yeah, I have. A lot of alleys. Yeah, a lot of dark alleys. Speaking of dark, there's one subplot we haven't really talked about. The sun! The whole, 
Oh, I was going to say the serial killer <laughs> subplot, but <laughs> we can talk about the sun. What, what about the sun? The, there's no sun? There was no freaking sun in this movie. It hurts the space shrimp. Yeah, it hurts the space shrimp. I mean, they don't have, you know, SP, you know, SP-1000 for those guys. But also, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because they're in human bodies. Like, just put on, you know, sunblock. They're in human bodies. Of all of the species who exist in the universe, why are these space shrimp gravitating ones that are made of 98% water <laughs> and thrive in the sunlight? Like, the two things they don't like. And not just that, but they tuned it to where they'd have Turkish bathhouses. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, hey. Yeah, they could have just not included those. Yeah, you could have not just included that. Like, the doctor, like, knows. Like, just don't include it. But go ahead, Pap. About the serial killer aspect, what are you going to ask? The bloodiness of the way that the prostitutes are found is pretty intense. You know what I mean? And I think that's, Ellis, you mentioned, like, the noir vibes at the beginning. I'm way more interested in, is this a guy, is this guy a killer? Is he not a killer? You know, the question of, was he a killer? before his mind got erased, right, than I am, like, with the telekinesis stuff. I, I loved that whole investigation and the interplay with the cops. Um, that was a really strong bit of conflict for the movie. But, yeah, like I said, the, the bloodiness of the, the, the victims was intense, the, the swirls that were cut on there. I wasn't expecting that. First half of the movie is pretty much a murder mystery. Well, that's what you're led to believe. Mm-hmm. And it opens really strong that way. I do, like opening on the erase memory dead i mean it sounds like a play from the you know the 50s honestly you know waking up have no idea who you are dead hooker on the floor what do i do um but uh, the one thing that bothers me I, don't, I was just looking at it i don't know about you guys that swinging light it really bothers me how heavy it was still swinging like even after john murdoch was still walking around like, I much rather would have had, like, a fraction of a swing, maybe, with, like, a window open, uh, just to see, like, maybe someone's in there, or maybe it was wind. Like, I was really bothered by how much that light swung. To me, the, the light swinging like that is, is, is that not because the buildings have been tuned just beforehand, so that building might be five stories above from where it initially was. Oh, that's true, yeah. The tuning isn't up to code. It's the buildings had a shaky foundation. Pap, did you like the uh, class tuning? How a guy could go from like a dock worker or warehouse worker to pretty much own being a captain of industry? I really liked in the beginning. Um, there's a scene where uh, John Murdoch wakes up and he's in a hotel, and the hotel front desk guy totally changes people between when John Murdoch escapes and when the police are investigating later, but it's the guy has the same memories, right? So he's like repeating the conversation, but the guy looks completely different than the original hotel desk guy, but he has the same um, Hawaiian shirt. So yeah, yeah, I thought that, like, yeah, we've talked a lot about the concept, um, but yeah, it's just super interesting, right? And it's asking questions of like, you know, if your memories are changing, day to day you know like what is who are you actually you know what i mean like who are these people really and they'll never get to never get to know that it's yeah it's a very interesting movie yeah because you're right he maintains some of like his personality right like he's still kind of mm-hmm. gruff and he still says the same phrases uh, despite the memories being erased 
Did you like the love story, Stevie? I'd have been cool with it if it just uh, kind of left it to where neither of these people like even like like they know each other, and just left it at that. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, thought it was going to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it either. It's just one of those things where it's like you know I kind of been okay with it if it just dropped it all together, being like we don't know each other. I think that would have served the better the story better. It's a really human thing to just. It takes time to get to like actually like love somebody, and to feel like I don't know you but love you anyways. Really, it's a weird concept to just kind of dive in on. Um, <laughs> but Corey, you're like you're a big sci-fi guy. In this movie, what happened to Earth? <laughs> Man, did we even come from Earth? Were, were we on Mars at this point? <laughs> I was uh, thinking while I was watching this, right? I was like, how are they going to reveal this? Is it going to be that, like, the aliens have seized control of a major city? Or have they taken people away? Mm -hmm. Maybe that was answered early on and I just didn't remember. But eventually they do show us, right? They show us the, I don't know what to call it, the, uh, the floating disc that all of our players are living on, right? So flat earth. Yep. Yeah. Is it a ship? Essentially spaceship. That's what it looked like to me. It was a ship Yeah. with a little force field around it. Yeah, there is a force field. There is some kind of technology that they're housed on top of whether it's a ship or like a, a a station that is staying still. I guess it doesn't matter too much, but they are on some piece of technology. I don't know, man. I was watching this and eventually I started thinking like, is this like the kind of shit that like the Alex Jones type believe like (laughs) that this is actually going on? Lizard people, bro. (laughs) Like (laughs) there's like lizard people in control. Corey, you're a flat middle earth believer. Don't act like you don't believe in conspiracy theories. You, you you stand flat middle. (laughs) Look, I was looking at a lot of middle earth maps and I was like, I'm pretty sure middle earth is meant to be flat. I'm a flat middle earther, (laughs) but I'm not a flat earther. (laughs) Okay. So you say, I'm okay with a fictional land being flat, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I was pretty... I don't know why, because I watched Aliens recently, too. And it it always bothers me in movies when the airlock is broken out in outer space and, like, everyone just doesn't die instantly, because that's exactly what would happen. You know what I mean? If there was a hole in the space station or something. But I'm glad that they had the little force field element, because it's like, okay, they thought of that. Like, within this force field, things are contained and I, and I like how um characters float off into space because that is the most terrifying thing in the world i think it's like a really interesting way for a character to die have you ever seen a shitty movie called event horizon pep that's a brilliant film <laughs> i have not oh okay yeah i'll put it this way it's shitty in a lot of ways but there's some brilliant scenes what you just described it takes that like to the max like being floating out in space and it's horrifying i was thinking of treasure planet when the guy <laughs> floats away but yeah <laughs> Same movie, basically. Yeah. Basically, exactly. Before we kind of get to talking the ending of this film, uh, is there anything else you guys want to bring up? Mm-hmm. Besides your hatred of Kiefer Sutherland, Pap? He's not great. No, he's awful. I honestly think Christopher Lloyd would be a more interesting choice because I, the character of... What's his name? Okay, what is it? Dr. Daniel... Schreiber? Schreiber. 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 He... He's supposed to be a little zany, you know what I mean? And I think that's what Kiefer Sutherland was going for with like the 
the shortness of breath and the weird way that he talks. Like, this is like the movie's only chance to sort of eject some levity would be this character, right? And there, there aren't, I don't think there's like any comedy in this movie at all, right? Not that it needs it. That's what it was missing. But yeah, there, there's no, at no point, I'm not saying it has to be like, you know, slapstick humor, but some levity. And I feel like that could come from just like the, the quirkiness or eccentricness of this doctor character. But Kiefer Sutherland just does not do it for me in that role. Yeah, he plays it too crazy. It's like too much. Goes full crazy. I'd rather, to be honest, I'd rather that part of just being played, played straight. If, if, if that's the way they were going to do it, it's just I don't, I don't know. You, you're totally right in in Kiefer Sutherland. It's just, he it, it brings the movie down a bit. To be fair, <laughs> mm-hmm. just a tad, just a little bit. Alice, yeah. what'd you, what did you make of um, kind of the uh, twist of him? injecting him with the other needle but not just that but kind of a uh, Kiefer Sutherland doing the uh, remember your training Danielson bit uh, as uh, as we're kind of going through all of Rufus Sewell's memories oh yeah and is that when <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland injects himself into his memories and yeah he of... implants himself into the memories yeah um it was fine it, it got our protagonist out of a sticky situation but that's I don't know. I think it was a bit out of the blue, to be honest. <laughs> I actually like that. I thought that was like a, a cool way to explain it within the context of this movie. You know, with how a lot of it is based on like memory implants. And that's how like people know things about their own lives. You did mention that the tuning ability that the hero has, like he has a little too much control of it early on. Right. And I agree with that. But to get, like, master-level control, he gets implanted with memories of, like, being trained of how to use it throughout his whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good by itself, if only he hadn't had been so good prior. Because he does use it, like, pretty well before that. Like, it's not, like, out of control. Like, he uses it successfully to do things that he intends to do, or maybe it's reflex, whatever you want it to be. But I do, I do like the memory Mr. Miyagi training shit. All right, what about Robin Williams as oh. the Keeper Sutherland character? Like, I not not genie Robin Williams. We're not going full cocaine manic. Like, a little bit more pulled back, but a character with more heart. You know what I mean? Someone with a little bit more. I don't know. I think the that right would have been energy really level. good, Pap. Robin Williams with a beard. Yeah, Jumanji and, and a limp. And a limp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I feel like that would have been really, really good. Just anybody but Kiefer Sutherland, I guess. Um, but I mean, you guys already brought up the Harry, kind of the Harry Potter wand uh, magic fight. Ugh. That's uh, <laughs> it's the roughest part of the movie. Without, it's without rough, doubt. man. Yeah. Like it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> what it reminds me of is the fight in um, Revolutions, Matrix Revolutions, you know, at the end with Neo and Agent Smith where they're flying about and there's hundreds of Agent Smiths on the floor. That's what it reminded me of. Mm, yeah, I try to forget about that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah Matrix. not the highest point. <laughs> Dude, the more we're talking about this, the more I'm thinking the whole tuning thing is just the worst part of this movie. If it, it doesn't need to be in there at all, Papi, you're dead on. Like, if you just get mm-hmm. rid of that or don't give John Murdoch the tuning... It doesn't change the movie. It, yeah. Much better, like, 
this guy waking up, not knowing if he's a murderer or not, where the hell am I? I'm on a spaceship. That's enough. He doesn't need the extra mm-hmm. powers as well. Well, how does he defeat the villains at the end in this proposed version? Like, what what does he use? I think it's one of those things where he doesn't win. It's more of a discovery. Okay, so like the the eerie kind of ending where he realizes the truth, but he's fucked. I think it'd be much stronger to have a bleaker outlook with an actual ending that makes sense versus the whole, you know, you're the chosen one tuning type deal. I think just discovering you're on a floating rock and you're not on Earth... And kind of just giving in to, you know, here's what reality is would be a lot stronger. Yeah. It's almost like the only reason that they gave him powers was to facilitate that happy ending, right? Like, or semi-happy ending where he can now control the universe. It's almost like they had to add all this other bullshit in the back, too. Because that's the another problem with it, too. Yeah, you called it like a Harry Potter, like, magic blast <laughs> battle. And I guess the thing with the knife is okay, but it doesn't connect at all thematically to like everything else that's happening in the movie, right? And what the movie wants to think you wants you to think about, like consciousness, memories, individualism. It's just a, two dudes shouting <laughs> at each other with like these sound waves coming out. It's it's so ridiculous. It, yeah, I hate that part of the movie. Corey, how do we end this movie with all Truman Show and whatnot after we we uh, defeat? Uh our bad guys what looks like a raging nightclub in the matrix yeah well i mean the hero after he becomes the one right he has the ability <laughs> to create anything within this matrix like environment uh, he decides to create the false memory that he was implanted with of this beach with sunlight this whole movie is set at night by the way it is called dark city after all uh, but he creates the beach he adds water, he adds an ocean, he adds the sun. And I feel like he's just, he's going to be kind of like the new creator of this land, right? That's going to be his role. The strangers were controlling everyone. They were doing experiments on everyone. He's now in control. And I think he's just going to like let people live a normal, happy life, you know, and give them what he can within the confines of this world that they're stuck in. I think that's it. It's still not the most happy ending, right? Because... People were still, I guess, abducted from Earth or maybe somewhere else and brought here, and they still have to live here. But I think what he's going to give humanity is a normal life. But aren't there still more strangers milling about on the planet? Do they all die? Do they all work as a hive? Is it like, is it not if the leader oh, if you kill the queen, yeah. Yeah. you kill them all? Mm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But surely there's like a space shrimp who's like steering this rock right like a little captain space shrimp who's like steering the boat <laughs> Pepe from the Muppets. whatever yeah you know what i mean there's got to be like more more of them around i would think a crew i mean i think it's kind of a thing though you're right where it's just kill the queen kill them all but before we get into yes or no's any last thoughts what's happening at the end is there a shot where like water's just coming out of the space rock? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I vaguely remember that, yeah. What is that? Is he he's just making so much water that it's spilling out? Is that what why that's happening? I was confused. I think the beach is beyond the city. So like he expands the area oh. in which they live and like just outside of it is now the beach. Oh.
Okay, let's get in the yes or no's and let's start with Pappy. Definite hard yes for Dark City. Once again, Brother Alice, thanks for coming on the podcast. Make sure everyone goes to YouTube and subscribes to Total Movie Recall. I think we've redeemed our friends across the Atlantic. <laughs> so that's Thank that was a I hope so, man. Yeah. It's been hanging We're over back. our head. We're back. Uh, UK is being redeemed. It's no longer bad and ugly over there. Um, <laughs> but I'll, yeah, I, great pick. I, I, I like when we bring attention to movies like this. This movie wouldn't have been on my radar at all without you picking it, Ellis. Um, I feel like I my tone was a little bit negative in the movie because it's one of those things too where you when you start to discuss it, not everything maybe holds up as well. It's got problems. And there's some weak... Yeah, and there's weaker parts in the story. But it's harder to go on and on about the production design and cinematography, which are both just absolutely A-plus outstanding. It's a very interesting world to be in. Um, you know, very reminiscent of other movies like we mentioned, Batman 89, Blade Runner, um, even some Seven vibes just with the overall darkness of everything so i was never bored while watching this uh i I wish the story was a little bit better and this is also another one i think that could be remade or something or like a netflix hbo limited run where you flush this out in 10 episodes and like you know the first episode and a half is just the character waking up while everything's paused and, and we slowly more slowly parse out that information without the big exposition exposition dumps this movie has to have um but hard yes i really really like this movie um thanks again for picking it brother allison thanks for being a patreon it really means a lot to us yeah no worries man we're glad you're here i'm a big fan i'm a fan before before anything else even though you change subscription tiers we don't hold that against you yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) we love staunchers too yeah we we love love those too no, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get back. I just haven't been in work for a while, guys. I swear down. I'll, I'll get back to uh, being a staunch. When, when, the, when the YouTube channel takes off, just don't forget about us. Consider being a rock hard once you get your million oh, subscribers. Oh, man, the, aim, the aim's for recall. going rock hard. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right, Corey. Okay, I'm going to give this movie a yes as well because this movie is cool, right? This movie has a very unique sense of style. Maybe not wholly unique, but it has a sense of style. And I like how this movie reveals information about what's going on underneath the surface as we go through it. The actors, I don't think, are super memorable. And I think the characters are a little bit hollow, but I think that's intentional because of the memory wipe thing. So these these are like shells of human beings, right? So... I think that's acceptable in the movie. There are things that don't make sense in this. Maybe if I watched both cuts, everything would kind of line up, but it doesn't seem like it based on this discussion we're having. I'll just say this, that the concept is cool enough, the style is cool enough, and I was was engaged within the 90 minutes that it runs. So I think it's a a pretty good movie. I would have definitely liked it a lot more when I was younger, and uh, I acknowledge and appreciate that. That's a big component as well. So I'm going to give it a yes. That's all I got to say. Decent. Sorry, one, two more things real quick, Stevie. Thank you for steering the ship during your flu game, by the way. Stevie puked earlier today. Puked and rallied. 
for this podcast. Trying, so good job. Second thing, I wish the score was better. I wish yes. this had, we were talking about Thief before this. I wish this had like a synth score to it or just something like more memorable. Like I, was, I, I don't remember any part of the score from this movie. Maybe that's the whole point, Pap. Mmm, <laughs> I forgot it. Like the characters forget stuff. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll say, uh, Pappy, Trevor Jones, who did the Labyrinth score, did this score as well. Hmm. So I expected like some kind of like very memorable or uh, accurate to the style synth score to go along with this but i watched the movie and like you i didn't remember anything about the music whatsoever i couldn't remember a beat so. it's not like a solid motif within the film it's all just a bit washed out scores a bit anything which is the shame too when you have this great of production design yeah. and cinematography you could just have like those shots with the music and that's all you need all righty and last but not least actually i'll go first some of your brother ellis um what I'll say is I'll give this movie a hard yes just because I feel like it's incredibly influential and it has a ton of concepts going for it. And I really, really like how it started off with the murder mystery angle. Um, it just kind of has that problem that a lot of movies do with a lot of concepts is there's a lot of rules. And with run, one rule comes another rule and with two comes four. And there's a lot of, lot of, lot of rules in this movie. And sometimes they just don't make sense. But I love the set design. Um, love the cinematography. I know it's called Dark City, but I actually really like how dark it is. And um, I like how it has, you know, 100 reveals per minute. So I'll give this movie a hard yes. And last but not least, Brother Ellis. Definite yes from me. Um, I really like this movie. Um, I think the idea is it's going for a, a big, and it, it doesn't necessarily get there, but um, I appreciate the heights that it's trying to reach and i think like a lot of films in the 90s it's not this is a film that i'd definitely recommend to someone like story is not amazing but i think it's something that you've got to see it's different to uh, most 90s films that came out like well from most films that i've seen from the 90s i think this one was trying to like it was trying to go places whether it got there is debatable I think the acting's solid for the most part. I think when it reaches the hour mark, that's where I think everything sort of gets a little bit, I don't know, a bit more fast-paced. The first half of the film is quite slow, quite noir, but um, I really like this movie, and I think more people need to see it, definitely. Hard yes. Preserved. Patreon pick. Have you got some trivia for us? Yeah, so once again... Before I say trivia, this wouldn't be spoilers without trivia. Thank you to Brother Ellis for coming on. Everybody, please go like and subscribe to Total Movie Recall. Please. And then also just a quick announcement. Spoiler Man doesn't mention this. Um, please review us on Spotify, too. You can't leave a review, but it's just stars. Um, so trying to get those up a little bit. But like I said, this wouldn't be spoilers without trivia. I knew you were hurting today, Stevie, because you drank milk. I didn't um, drink milk, man. Yourself. I don't know what's going on. So I prepared a trivia. Sure. The winner of this trivia will get the greatest prize of all, like 30 seconds in the winner's circle or whatever, and get to toss to Spoiler Man. Brother Ellis, would you like to participate in this trivia? I'm hoping, I'm hoping yeah, so. Yeah, let's go for it, man. All right. This is going to be a good old-fashioned closest to no price is right rules. Whoever's closest is closest. 
thinking about memories and the human brain, according to the Scientific American, what is the memory capacity of the human brain? Like, for example, the hard drive that I have that all of the spoilers episodes are on is two terabytes. How many, what is the storage capacity? You can use whatever unit of that you want, megabytes, gigabytes, etc. But what is the storage capacity of the human brain? Corey, we'll start with you. So I'm going in <laughs> megabytes, gigabytes, or terabytes? Whatever you want. It Maybe more. What's more than a terabyte? I should know this. Petabyte. <laughs> P-E-T-A. Byte. Hmm. Well, I don't want to say that, so I'm going to say 1,000 terabytes. Okay. Hold on. This will all be edited out. Don't worry. Okay. 1,000 terabytes. Stevie? Accessible or just total? Total. Ah! Bastard. I'll say... um. I'm talking about RAM here. I'm talking about total storage. Total storage, I'll say five terabytes. Five terabytes? Mm-hmm. And last but not least, from Total Movie Recall, Patreon member, Brother Ellis. Right, so I know the trick here. It's to follow Stevie. So I'm going to go... <laughs> <laughs> I'll go... Ten terabytes. Round it off. Damn. Okay. You guys are off by a lot. <laughs> uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a thousand terabytes is one petabyte. The human brain can store two point five petabytes. Jesus so two thousand five hundred terabytes worth of data. I was giving this too much credit. How much is accessible? I don't, I, dude, I don't know. I'm just going off the Google page. Wow. Uh, Depends well, on the person, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> For me, who are we talking about here? Me or Steve in a debate? <laughs> but Corey, you are the closest. Only off by a factor of 150%. Uh, take it away. Ooh, that's it. Yeah. Well, I'll just say this has been a fun podcast, and thank you so much, Ellis, yeah, for joining no worries, us. Mom. You've been like a longtime <laughs> online friend, and I'm glad that we got to do this podcast together. And I want us to do more podcasts together on Big Dumb Movie and here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you in person. I just want to say as well, like you guys are awesome. Like you, like you do an amazing job. I just want to get that out there. Like, I listen to you guys every single day while I'm at work, so this has been a bit weird. I've been a bit nervous, but thanks for having us on. Oh, you're welcome back literally Any. anytime. Oh, cheers, guys. And I wouldn't say that unless I met. I didn't say it to the other British people. I'm saying it to Redeemed. you. Redeemed! It, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime you want to do a movie, you're welcome to come spoil it. Oh, here. brilliant. Cheers, man. That's about it. Thank you guys very much for listening. Take it away, spoiler man. Special thank you to our patrons, Matt Troll. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. Brother Brian. Send two units. 
They're bringing her down now. No, Lieutenant, your men are already dead. Druid King. I'm trying to free your mind, Neo, but I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. Nick. No one has ever done anything like this. That's why it's going to work. The Meg. Do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. David. There is no spoon? Then you'll see that it is not the spoon that bends. It is only yourself. Nurse Stacy. To deny our own impulses is to deny the very thing that makes us human. The wolf. Ow, ow, ow. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Barky 420. Wow, that sounds like a really good deal. But I think I got a better one. How about I give you the finger and you give me my phone call? Davey Kerr. You ever have that feeling where you're not sure if you're awake or still dreaming? If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Guys, I'm going to have to go. I need to take my dogs out. (laughs) Nice meeting. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. That was spoilers.